Hello and welcome to the latest Back of the Nav podcast. I'm Adam Lewis and today joining myself and Julia Maher in the studio is Marcel Stotzel, who is co-portfolio manager of the Fidelity European Trust and Fidelity European Fund alongside Sam Morse. Marcel, thank you for coming in today. Thanks for having me, Adam and Julian. Um, now, before we get on to a breakdown of last week's performance, Jules, do we have a word from our sponsor this week? Um, yeah, we do have a word from our sponsor, the uh, chairman of Committed Asset Management, and the word uh, is 17. Um, he tells that this is purely down to the number of funds they've launched last week um, in climate change, net zero and biodiversity. Um, but uh, that feels a bit toppy to me. And I think it is more than a coincidence that is 17 is also the number of points my own team scored in Fantasy League uh, last week. Uh, I think that puts me around about 96, 97 percentile in the entire world, which is um, slightly depressing. And of course, 17 points when um, you would think that a monkey with a dartboard could have managed 24 um, is, is, is not ideal, especially for somebody who's holding themselves as a vague um, authority. That's too strong a word on Fantasy League. Who thinks they know? about Fancy League. Um, of course, I would have used the monkey with the dartboard, but the only one I know is the one who picks stocks for committed asset management, and he was busy doing his day job. I'll get on to that, but I, I didn't score too many higher than you, Jules. Don't worry. Um, Don't so, me, Lewis. <laughs> so let's look back at the last game week, and one which was pretty momentous for the fund, as it was the first time this season we made no changes to the portfolio. That's right, zero. And as we'll get to it, it turned out to be a pretty good call. Um, now, the podcast recorded a few weeks ago, our regular listener may recall that our management decision to stop taking hits every single week. Now, we decided there's being active and then there's pure lunacy. Um, not only were our charges costing us effective hedge fund fees, they were also costing us significant performance. So after recording last week's podcast, um, one in Mitch, myself and Jules did give serious thought to selling Bruno Fernandes. We sat down in our stock decision meeting on a Friday to cement our thinking. In short, we had a bit of a change of mind based on maybe John Hustleby's advice of recording performances of players against other teams. Jules, talk a listener through what we did. Yeah, it was, um, well, I, I certainly, any after my own personal um, excitement this week, I think I will definitely be associating myself more with the Botnav team. Um, with its its 42 points, I think against an average of 27 and against the benchmark I'll get onto later of 30. Uh, we went for Pickford, uh, which... We would have got anyway because Turner didn't play. So Pickford got two points in goal. Um, interesting that our um, the goalkeeper Turner didn't play because he's now been, um, I suspect, pretty permanently dropped for um, uh, Odysseus. And of course, that uh, we should have thought of that uh, last week when we were talking about the Ulysses contract. We should have seen that as some sort of sign to be going for Odysseus, who picked up a clean sheet for Forrest. But we have two points for Pickford. It's about half the course of him. Um, I'm claiming all my um, monkey with the dartboard decisions went well for, for Botnav. I'm, I'm taking the credit from Murillo coming in for Forest six points. Poro, uh, after the Battle of Stamford Bridge, um, lucky to get zero. And Shah um, picked up five points for that, uh, what we thought was going to be the match of the week against Arsenal, uh, but turned out to only be the second most insane match of the game week. Uh, Gabriel on the bench with two and Kabore. Who would have thought eight points against Liverpool? But he did. We had him on the bench as well. Uh, mixed mixed fortunes in midfield. Salah captain. Um, on uh, He picked up just the two, took him up to four. Um, and on the captaincy front, I suppose I should say that the one 
um, small shaft of light I took in my own team was that when you get 17 points uh, across the entire team, at least it means you didn't make any mistakes on the captaincy. I looked at the other, oh, Haaland didn't score. I wish I captained Salah. And it was, oh, Salah didn't score. I wish I captained Son. And then saw, well, there we go. At least uh, that's the uh, the small positive I take. Uh, so Salah was four points, Son two points, Fernandez. We kept we, we kept faith with him. We said in our meeting there was re- there were good reasons. It was that perhaps uh, Man United might do slightly better um, away from home, away from the pressure. And Fernandez nicked that last minute goal for 11 points. Uh, Diaz in our selection meeting, we thought that if he was going to get on the pitch, he might be uh, peculiarly motivated. And um, again, so it proved, I think, judged by his, t- by his T-shirt. He got six points and Martellinelli was on the bench with two. And then our informed strike force, uh, Wilson, two points. Alvarez, two points against Bournemouth. Watkins, two points. So not ideal, but 42, uh, we'll take that. There were 12 on the bench, mostly. Uh, Kabore. Uh, and how did that go against the benchmark? Well, let's uh, thank you for asking. I'll just check. Uh, what do we have? Uh, last week's Benrick, Ariola is the most owned goalkeeper, 37%. He picked up one point um, against uh, Brentford. Turner still in there as the second most owned. I don't think that's going to carry on for long, but he is also cheap, got zero. Uh, Trippier, almost 50% owned, picked up nine points. Cash injured going off before the um, before the 60 minute mark got zero he's on 35% ownership Anderson for Crystal Palace going from strength to strength almost 20% ownership now he picked up five uh, the two on the bench uh, Romero with his minus four but he is uh, that 18.7% of people were owning him last week so that minus four went a long way and Bulldog um, picked up nothing much uh, and then in midfield of the benchmark team Saka two points Salah two points Madison just the one uh, Matoma did get a goal for six points and Anderson on makeway on the bench for Newcastle up front Harland a mighty two as captain Watkins that two points I mentioned again Archer on the bench he scored nine so uh, what our benchmark team added up to 30 and it had uh, five on the bench but mainly because uh, Archer's nine minus Romero's four took that down and made it look better so yeah a, a, a good week for Botnav uh, bad week for Jules bad week for the average really um, all eyes all forward to uh, next week but uh, maybe let's pick up a few thoughts on them, um, you know, being strong in the face of adversity. Not that I'm suggesting our guest suffers from it, but he can certainly no doubt offer me some encouraging words. Yeah, whoever thought that 42 points in a game week would lead to a to a game week ranking? I had a look at of 1.3 million. Uh, insane, an insane week. Um, I think I just had a quick look. You know, it did lead to green arrows. Um, small shift up the sort of the ranking since launch. I think we're now about sitting firmly middle of the pack at about 5 million. More scarily, I now think back of the nav are 10 points behind my own team. Um, <laughs> I do I, I do have to admit that I I, I got 20 this week. Uh, so, yeah, a pretty dismal week on that front. Anyway, to more optimistic things. Let's introduce today's guest. Um, a bit of a bio. Marcel joined Fidelity as analysis as an analysis in 2014, initially covering US tech as an MBA intern uh, before being hired full time to cover European software and IT services. After a highly rated period of research, he was promoted to portfolio manager and he has co-managed the Fidelity European Fund and Fidelity European Trust since August 2020. Big mouthful there. Marcel, to kick off, do you play FBL? And if so, how are you doing? Adam, I'm going to have to make an announcement here that unfortunately I don't. I used to. It sucked up in the entire part of my life. I think I was threatened with losing my job, losing my wife, losing my kids. 
if um, if I didn't. So uh, what I tend to do these days is stick much more to the sprints, you know, around kind of Champions League or uh, World Cup, so these kind of events. But unfortunately, after a good few years of playing, uh, about a couple of years ago, I had to finally say farewell to, to FPL. Um, but I do still play the sprints, as, as mentioned. Well, I, th- I think that still qualifies you. I mean, if it didn't, this would be the shortest interview we've had on Botnav so far. So um, I, we do have some questions, as I say, on the behavioural and, and the investment side of things. Uh, if you've, um, I think we've warned you in advance that Adam and I can shoehorn shoe even um, any investment angle into this. But um, let, let's keep a general on myself. Um, would you say there are any aspects of your investment approach that might apply to managing an FBL team? Yeah, so I think one of the things that that we spend a lot of time thinking about is downside protection, and you know, particularly I guess in in a week like this week where it's been a bit tougher, maybe um, you know, maybe that's something that's worth expanding on, you know. And and what I'm about to say is is you know is perhaps not the strategy you want if you want to swing for the fences and you know make sure that you kind of are number one in the world. But if you want to hold your head up high in most weeks, which obviously is important in the asset management industry where we're not necessarily swinging for the fences or, you know, certainly in our fund, um, is the way we go about it. And really, I think something that's that's very important is being benchmark aware and just making sure that you know which part of the benchmarks can hurt you. Because not all parts of the benchmark, just like not all fantasy players, are created equal. You know, it's a player like Ali Watkins, you know, or even Evan Ferguson or some of these players, while they might be great, they're unlikely to be what really torpedoes you at the end of the season by not owning them. You know, we all know more or less who the players are who are going to torpedo us. You know, you touched on Haaland, you touched on Salah, perhaps a son, you know, if Tottenham do really well. Um, and just, you know, making sure that you have those blind side covered, um, you know, in the investment world for us, what that means is, you know, we're more than happy to go underweight on, you know, a sector like pharma, for example, or insurance or these kind of sectors that aren't very volatile, aren't likely to be outperforming the market by, you know, 10, 20 percent at the end of the year as a sector as a whole. Uh, but then you get others like oil, for example, energy or banks, which, you know, very easily could. You know, you could have a world, heaven forbid, something kicks off in the Middle East, the market is down kind of 20, 30 percent and and oil is up 100 percent. And and I think just being aware of where those pockets are is something very important to investors and also something I think helps you, you know, as a as a fantasy manager at the same time. And, you know, just just to kind of take this to its logical conclusion, you know, there's limited budget, obviously. So there are two ways we think about doing investments. You know, for us, budget is we don't want to have a portfolio full of 30 times P stocks because obviously then we'll just be a play on 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 growth versus value. Similarly, obviously in fantasy, you have a limited budget. So you know, while you know, you could say yes. You know, there's two ways to do this. You could have a whole squad full of average players. You know, and then you would have an average budget, obviously. Or, and same way, you, know, you could have a whole portfolio full of stocks that are, you know, 20 times PE and, you know, bang average kind of thing in terms of beta and, and, and do it that way. Or you can have a barbell approach, which is the way we like to do it. So, you know, you have some very high quality stocks and you pair them with some lower quality sectors, you know. And what I think that means in a fantasy world is, you know, you go for your your salas, your highlands to protect you if they do get 30 goals per season. And then you pair them with some cheaper players rather than going for a whole squad of kind of average level players. Now, that's that's really interesting. And I, and I, I, 
you know, I'm not saying. I, yeah, I think you're completely right. And and yet this week was 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 bizarre because, yeah. and if you if you look at um, you look at the the, the guys. The, the, I mean, I don't, you want to class them as blue blue chip stocks, but let's just take price as as a value in the top ten most expensive people. Harland fourteen, Sala twelve point nine. Um, it was only you have to go down to number ten. Uh, Fernandez at eight point three million. He was the most expensive person who returned this week. Everyone else, the people you'd say, the Harlan, Sala, um, Son, Saka, Rashford, Watkins, Odegaard, none of those came back with anything. Some didn't even play, of course. Moving to the next top 10, Madison, Alexander-Arnold, Wilson, and Tony's there, Jesus is injured, Martinelli, Diego Jota, Darwin. You have to go down to 19, to Foden. So he's 7.5 million. Um, and then it, it is extraordinary. Then look at the guys who did score. Um, uh, top scoring goalkeeper Johnson, 4.6 million. Top scoring um, defenders Mitchell, 4.6 with 15 points. Toffolo, the for- two of the Forest um, uh, defenders, up uh, 4.5, 4.4, got 15 and 14 points. You look at the, um, the who's up front, Jackson. Oh, I'm sorry to mention Jackson after your joys at the Battle of Stamford Bridge. 6.8 million. He finally comes 16 points. Isn't that more than he scored all season? Archer, 4.49. And then even looking at the midfielders, Bernardo, um, 6.3. He got 14 points. Palmer, 5 million, got 12 points. And uh, Doku, um, there you go, 22. Um, I hear, by the way, that Doku is a very straightforward character, but his wife, Sue, is a bit of a puzzle. I had to get that in at some point. Um, anyway, but that, that so yes, it has been a um, bizarre, bizarre week. Um, and I'm assuming that's, I'm really hoping that uh, um, 17 points is a, is a, we'll put it this way. The other thing I've been trying to make myself feel better about is uh, if I do believe in reversion to the mean as I do that I'm really looking forward to the week where I revert from 17 to something that takes me a bit higher but yes portfolio I completely agree but you better get some value get some balance in there but whoa this week I'm not sure you had to get lucky no I mean this this week was kind of a trash rally right if this week was the the trash rally weekend and that will come from time to time right and you know to state the obvious that's where you need to separate kind of process from outcome right having the right process doesn't mean every week you will have the right outcome um, but hopefully over the course of a season um, just like you know I guess a bit longer in terms of fund management world hopefully over three to five years that will separate and, and process and outcome will you know will align nicely as as they should in a just world that is brilliant uh, you definitely get an award for meeting us halfway on the investment analogy with the dustbin rally and um, i'm getting in a week where i massively underperformed. i'm going to take even more comfort for the fact that it was me and my dustbin was completely empty um right let's uh look at let, let's let's look on the behavioral side because um I'm feeling remarkably upbeat. I think it's probably because I'm still in shock after um, barely getting any points from my three players at Stamford Bridge. Um, but um, even so, I do th- I do think I probably need to, to build up my resilience. So Marcel, my, my next question is, is, you know, do you and your, your colleagues, do you employ any behavioural techniques to help you adhere to process or to help you in your decision making? What would you pick out there? Yeah, we we do, and 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 the one that that sticks out is is it's actually a legacy of Peter Lynch, who's who's obviously a fidelity legend, and he legend. said that you know, <laughs> yeah, and, and he said that uh, you know something that's still stuck with Sam and passed on to me, and 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 you know will stick with us all for for the rest of our careers. And it's very simple. It's just that you know you write your three reasons for why you own a stock on a piece of paper, and the reason why that's effective is for a few reasons. Firstly. It makes sure that you actually understand why you're owning something. It makes sure that it's not so complex 
complex. If it's so complex that you can't fit it on an A4 piece of paper, you shouldn't be owning it. Um, and then thirdly, it makes keeps you honest, you know, and makes sure that you get back to the reasons why when things are going wrong, you're still owning it. Um, so, you know, if I, if I converted that into fantasy football, let's say, you know, you want to own, I don't know, you know, Salah, for example, right? You put down reason number one, he takes penalties. Reason number two, you know, he's, uh, you know, not just about goals, he's also about assists. And, you know, reason number three perhaps can be, um, I don't know, you know, he plays in, it's in a team that's one of the highest scoring in the league. You know, and then when when things start to go wrong, you, you go back to that. And then the fourth reason should also be valuation, which is price. But that's the separate. So, so you know, the three fundamental reasons and then one valuation reason. Um, and then you go back to it, you know, and if you have Salah kind of getting two to three points every week for three, four weeks in a row, you look back and you say, oh, each of those valid. You know, maybe he's no longer taking penalties. Maybe kind of Liverpool have started playing more defensively. Maybe he's shifted kind of into more of a midfield role rather than a winger. Um, you know, you have all of those reasons because it's very easy to say, ah, you know, like, yes, it wasn't going well, but, you know, he'll, he can make it through or this is a good stock or it's this. My personal favorite is the stock is now cheap. Um, you know, all of these are, are not great reasons to, to own if your fundamental three reasons are, are not there anymore. Um, yeah, and then you tie that back to valuation, you know, because then if, if just to carry on to Salah example, this is not the case, but, you know, if one of those three are, are not valid and he's still an expensive player, then, you know, you ship him out and you replace him with somebody who does have three valid reasons. Oh, good stuff. Yeah, I know. Well, that, that, that's a great one. And the, yeah, the Salah one. I was, yeah, I was thinking about that because again, there's some other nice little ones there, you know, the, talis, the talisman idea, you know, is, does all the play go through this one person? And I guess Mbueno at, at Brentford, for example. Uh, and then also the, 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 the one I'm seeing a lot more now, the 90 minute man, the, the person who's going to play, the, the flip side to animalized theory, then perhaps the substitutes can get to play 40 minutes at the end with the uh, amounts of um, the extra minutes of, uh, of extra time or in uh, the top them against uh, Chelsea, the extra hours of extra time that were added onto the game. Uh, but I think these guys who play longer and longer and longer, then you hopefully gives you more chance. Um, so yeah, that's, it, a, that's really it, interesting. Exactly. And you know, like for example, if you'd bought Alexis at the beginning of the season, you know, one of your reasons may have been, you know, he scored 10 goals last season, you know, he's, he's kind of an attacking midfielder. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you see Klopp's playing him as a defensive midfielder. Yeah. Your thesis is no longer valid. You know, it's much easier to be objective when you frame it in that light. Other than, you know, if you say, ah, oh, I like him cracking player, you know, that's hard to be objective about that when you when you have it written down in black and white and something that is, it's, it either is or isn't. You know, he's either playing attacking mid or he isn't. It's not, it's not subjective, right? It helps you to take a lot of the biases out when you, when you put it that way. No, definitely. So, Julian, I think we need to write down three reasons after this about why we are keeping Pickford in the team. <laughs> Do they have to be good reasons? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, just to pick up one behavioural one, sort of also, one thing that we that we sort of discussed in a recent podcast that sort of comes down to behavioural, and it's something I really wanted to put to one of the guests, comes to sometimes like um, myths within the game sometimes. So one of the myths in, in FPL is, and we, we talked about this, has this wonderful thing about the Gandhi, it's called the Gandhi rule. You never captain the, you, you, you never captain the, the guy playing the early kickoff on a Saturday. Um, no, no scientific basis to it. 
you know, there's there's been some stuff done to it in terms of these guys just don't like playing early games because of the change in the diet. But for some reason, there was a there, 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 there's this idea that you should just never captain him. Actually, it works. We we captained Mo a couple of weeks ago and we we busted the myth. But it got us thinking in sort of some ways are the myths within investment sometimes. You know, we sort of the old St. Ledger Day myth and things like that. Are there are there any sort of myths that you that, that you know of that are sometimes you, you know they don't make sense, but for some reason they just keep coming up and coming up and coming up. Ooh, great question. Um, I mean, there are a few, you know, I mean, that there's, you know, sell in May and go away and, and some of these that, uh, you know, that, that, that keep on coming up also don't necessarily have fantastic scientific backing behind them. Um, I think just the one, it's perhaps not a myth, but the one that kind of just seems to prevail in our industry is that, you know, you get rewarded for the amount of work and that you put in, if I can put it that way. And the honest answer is you don't. You know, if I spend 100 hours cracking the Deutsche Bank balance sheet, you know, deep in the weeds, you know, like, and I've got a PhD in accounting and everything, you know, that in and of itself doesn't give you any more credit than, you know, hearing a, a kind of thesis, very simple kind of, you know, over the course of an hour on another stock, you know, and this is not an industry that that rewards effort. This is an industry that rewards results, basically, right? And if you can do that, you know, by dancing naked under the moon, you know, then, then, then do so. Um, I'm being a bit flippant here, but I think the point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, we go for the fat pitches. You know, we don't spend our time trying to crack the hardest stock in the market because you don't need to. You know, we spend much more of our time trying to find which are the easiest stock to solve and solve those rather because I think your return on effort is, is much higher. Um, and similarly, you know, in terms of kind of, you know, in terms of FPL, you know, you're not going to win the most creative player of the year award for having, you know, Salah or, or Haaland, but, you know, their points accrue just as much as that gem that you've dug out from, you know, the bottom three team who who gets a hat-trick on a week, a Haaland hat-trick gets you just as many points. So, you know, yes, there is something to be said about creativity and there is something to be said about, you know, finding unloved ideas, but don't neglect the fact that actually kind of the obvious or easier in inverted comma ideas give you as many points or give you as much investment returns if you get them right. I think that's really interesting because I... Um... I'm thinking of it, as you were talking about that, there is a, you said there's an, there comes a point you do your research, you get a lot of it, and then there's diminishing returns after that. And I think one of the things I've been finding recently catching myself is, it's, it's, you know, it, part of it is for entertainment, but there is, you, you feel you might glean something from the message boards in the confession fancy scout where I spend way too much of my time anyway. But I, I think the, the trouble is that the more you then, it gets to a point where you're exposing yourself, not just information, but to, sorry, when I say exposing myself, I'm not talking about dancing naked under the moon. I'm talking about exposing yourself to information, but then information becomes noise, becomes and and that's where you start second guessing yourself too much because you always have too much going on. In, and I think that that that's that's a great thing is just to, to, to dial back a bit. And I find myself just trying to switch off from the message board because you know there's as much nonsense on there as there are nuggets of information. And you can really you know the, the, these well thought out plans of the previous weeks um, I referred to last week's podcast can suddenly you know come to nothing because you think you've seen something and you really haven't. 
strange those those message boards can actually and we talked about this in another one in in terms of sort of sort of relating it to ours in terms of sometimes having too much noise and you have a gut instinct you have a feeling you've got a you've got a player i mean last last week jules we we you know we did discuss i know we was slapping ourselves on the back but we did discuss bringing both johnson and foden into the team and and they both did well and but so many times i've been on those message boards and got in there with an idea of who to bring in and then just been almost like found myself talked out of it in sort of mm-hmm. some ways and um and not gone with it and should have gone with that sort of gut instinct in sort of some ways which i know sometimes people sort of talk about within investment circles as well now Marcel, we haven't actually discussed it but we know um just by sort of prepping for this um you sort of you've mentioned mo a few times we do know that you're a, a liverpool fan um, mm. We we have two Liverpool assets in, in in our team at the moment. Mo, which, like you sort of sort of mentioned earlier, it's not that imaginative. But weirdly enough, you know, he's not one of the Mo. His ownership is climbing, but he was in our buying process. You know, he was ownership was under thirty percent, so we could get him. Um, Diaz, our other player. Um, some may say robbed of a goal at Tottenham. Some may say, you know, bygones be bygones. But after last night, I'm not one for bygones anymore. Um, any any thoughts on any other sort of Liverpool assets that we could be looking at within our team at the moment that might give us a bit of an edge? Yeah, I I, I think uh, I think Mo, you have to have definitely. Um, but uh, I would say I'm not yet 100 percent sure if you want to pull the trigger just yet, but definitely. Do the work, have a sniff around. Uh, Gravenberch. I mean, he seems to be playing every game. Let's see when Curtis Jones comes back, if he starts or not. That's that's the only one kind of concern I have. But if Klopp does like him and he starts, you know, he's he's got dribbling, he's got passing, he's got a couple of goals against Toulouse, so he's got goals in him too. Um, and obviously playing in an attacking team. Uh, so if you can get him, you know, for, for not too expensive, um, then uh, I think that could be quite a good shot. Yeah, although you, we, we did chat about that when we caught up last week, Marcel, and I, I sort of said to you, oh, well, that's not bad, call it, you know, six and a half million or whatever. I went back and looked and he's five million, um, which is, is obviously cheap as chips. Um, so I would, you know, the only thing there is, 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 is you know, if, if you say you've got um, Mo and you've got um, maybe some Simi or whatever back in defence, he's your third one and does that stop you going as well? But I, yes, I, I was astonished to see that he was so cheap and um, definitely, um, you know, you, you have him him and Palmer up there and you can pretty much do anything else with your team after you've got those two. And so, yeah, that was a really interesting call. Um, anyone else, what do we think yeah. about the much vaunted Liverpool defence? <laughs> I'm I'm nervous about the defence, so um, I'd I'd be steering clear. I mean, you know, you could obviously go for a Trent, but you're not going for him for defensive reasons. Clearly, you're going for him for what he contributes going forward. Um, I think Diaz is a good shout. Obviously, if he, if, he, if you know his personal situation resolves itself, which clearly we all hope it does, um, it's a good shout. I would, yeah, if I would look, be looking. I mean, Nunez. Yeah, I'd rather spend that money on Salah, right? And uh, and then who else? Yeah, are you looking at Shabosh Live potentially? Um, but I would assume he's you know a good few million more expensive than Gravenberch. Um, he does take free kicks and corners, so maybe getting a little bit more there. But um, yeah, if they both start, I'd rather take the cheaper Gravenberch. I would say. 
That's a tremendous bit of pronunciation, by the way. I don't think anyone's been on this podcast and got his name right. Um, what about the enigma wrapped in the puzzle, wrapped in the what on earth is going on with Nunes? Because, I mean, th that's the time every time you come close to pulling, pulling the trigger, much like him, and then you think, no, I'm going to leave it for a while. That's extraordinary. Yeah. I mean, yeah, two open goals pretty much missed on the weekend. You know, one... Uh, one arguably offside, one definitely wouldn't have been. Um, and then, you know, he scores worldies in probably in, in another weekend. So it's tough. I would put Nunez in what we were saying earlier on in the too tough to call. Nunez is the the Deutsche, the Deutsche Bank of, uh, you know, of uh, FPL. And you'd, as I said earlier, you know, you, you don't get, you know, you don't get any more points from cracking the hardest decision as you do from cracking easier decisions. So, um, yeah, I, I, I would pass on that one just as we pass on trying to solve Deutsche Bank. As well, thank you. I mean, I mean there's literally all the, you know, all the things in the world, all the sentences that have never, ever, ever been said before. Nunes is the Deutsche Bank of equities and FPL. I think we can say that is, is genius. I, I think we're going to have to try and apply that to more now, aren't we? We're going to have to lay down the challenge and start relating players to certain stocks. I know yeah. we've sort of sort of mentioned Harland and some of these guys in the sort of the tech category, but yeah, I think that's a new challenge to lay down to some of them. Um, now, okay, so so bringing it back to to to, to Botnav then, uh, you know, Jules sort of looking to next week. You know, we do have two transfers up our sleeve. Um, luckily for us, we've managed to avoid those Spurs assets with suspensions and injuries. Um, we've got Poro and Son. Um, Wolves away. Just don't know <laughs> what's going to happen there now. Um, we've got a number of tickets to the Liverpool-Brentford game um, and Bruno versus Luton all of a sudden is looking a little bit more appealing. Although is going back to play at Old Trafford and we're not quite sure there. But then again, it's looping away and that's where they seem to come They seem to come undone at the moment in the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, sort of quick thoughts on this week. Is it time to finally address the keeper situation? Are we both going away and writing three reasons to change Pickford? Well, I could try and play the false modesty and say that whatever I come up with, you do the complete opposite of after what happened. But I, I don't believe that for a second as well. I think we've got some really good... You know, we've got some great tickets, as you, as you say, the tickets to the games, um, you know, Wilson, if he does play his traditional 62 minutes against Bournemouth away, uh, Watkins at home to Fulham, uh, where, uh, you know, Villa do a lot better, uh, Diaz at home to Brentford, you know, Mo Salah as well. Um, Bruno, I, I do think Luton are tough when they're at home, but um, I, I think that they don't travel well. So I think we've got to give Bruno one more go. Um, the Son of Wolves, that, that doesn't seem too bad. And we got a bit of a, maybe a bit of a headache on the, on the, on the yeah. defenders. I mean, you've got obviously Gabriel at, uh, at Burnley, so, uh, home to Burnley, we'll probably bring him in. Um, Sharp seems like it. And there's lots of good people. So within all of that, it might just be a case of... Um, uh, as you as you, as you say, I, I think bearing in mind we've got Pickford who doesn't have a great string of games coming up, and we've got Turner who my instinct is probably now dropping down the pecking order. I think now that Odysseus has made his way in, um, he's going to. I think we are uh, we are going to have to take a decision. So um, yeah, the goalkeepers uh, Johnson's maybe we've missed a couple of shots with him already. Uh, Johnson Crystal Palace, or maybe we maybe I'll be arguing for Odysseus himself at Forest do that double up with. Uh, with Mourinho, I know that would be an odd thing to go for, but um, we'll see. We'll see where we are. But I think somewhere in the budget, I know you're a fan of Martinez, 
assist, but obviously uh, he's having some fun and games back in, in, at the back of Villa at the moment as well. Not totally trustworthy. No, I mean, we could be in a situation whereby, since we've, we've afforded ourselves this situation, we could change both goalkeepers this week. Yeah, we've got a bit of a selection headache as well, um, just sort of looking at it, because we, we've got Martinelli sort of sat, um, sat on the bench against Burnley at home. So, you know, do one of those midfielders or one of those sort of three strikers, I mean, Alvarez Andrew, against Chelsea Andrew's... away... Yeah, and if, if Chelsea get their, finally get their bounce from that, I, you know, we all know that maybe we pick Alvarez, he'll come back again. But he is sitting a bit deeper. He's taking every corner pretty much for, for, for City when he's playing. But uh, I, look, there, there is obviously we've got some champions. We're doing this before the Champions League. We're recording that. So we need to keep an eye on, on that, whether Haaland's playing, of course, um, and, and a few other bits and pieces. So, yeah, looking forward to uh, our Friday um, stock selection meeting. What, what, I mean, the, the sort of not saying, you know, I've got the latest and what's going on in the city changing room, but, you know, it's going to be interesting again to see what happens to Haaland's ownership um, with with the flags over him in sort of some ways. And I don't know if, you know, maybe he gets rested for the game and does play against Chelsea away. But if that injury is a little bit worse than we think, it'd be interesting to see what happens with him and it potential, yeah, sort of, I'm, Sure, at the moment, you know, everything we've talked about with Mo at the moment, you know, I'm looking at the team and he's got captain on him at the moment. Could be another chance to catch up this week, you know, with all the question marks around Haaland. Well, I love I love your optimism because you ain't getting any from me this week. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 revolves, the roles are completely reversed this week. Uh, it's the, no, it's no, the I think I might just southern be, face. I, I might just be in shock, as I say. Uh, 17, 17 points. So we reached the end. I'm going to. I might just. I'm going to go and hide. I think. I. I think we are. I mean, I. I wanted to end it on your. On your. Your docu joke, but you know, I. I. If. If people could have seen the reaction and the giggles around that, it was. It was genius, and I am going to steal that one on the school. On the school uh, yard. Um. That just leaves me to wrap things up. Then, really. Um. I am a tired. Tired after getting home very late after that hour of injury time last night. Um, Marcel, thank you so much for your time today. You are now an official member of the Back of the Nav coaching staff. Congratulations. Great. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe I'm the coach that's needed to turn the fortunes around. Let's see. Definitely, definitely. Jules, <laughs> I would say a pleasure as always, but it's not really, you, you, you've not been your normal pleasurable self today. Well, I do my best, but I, I think I've been putting on a very brave face, actually. I think I've been very resilient, and I'm now going to go and hide under my desk and then gently curl up into a fetal position and rock myself or then be sobbing. And that's, so that's all I can And I think that's going to be the way forward for the next two, three days. At least I'll take myself, take myself out of the information and noise loop. Well, we'll catch up on Friday. It's a Saturday deadline this week, isn't it? I don't think it's a Friday deadline. So we'll catch up on that. We'll catch up then. Um, and that just leaves me to thank everybody for listening to today. And we will um, see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>